0: And this is The Bruins Beat on CLMS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully, enjoyed the Bean Pot last night. However, the results were. Remember to follow along with all Bean Pot stuff over at NCAA.com. With yours truly. Anyways, uh, in this episode, because the All Star break uh, is pretty much just about done, uh, Connor and I first discussed the Winter Classic. The 2023 Winter Classic will be at Fenway Park, so we discussed potential opponents, where they might put the ice, uh, w- what the sight lines will be like, how cool it'll be, and all those things. But the main part of this show, the show, pretty much the entire rest of the show, so probably like 30 minutes, were, desi- we're, we're dedicated to predictions, to second-half predictions. We both did two roster predictions, trade deadline predictions... And then what's going to happen to them in the playoffs? So obviously they're all going to be right, right? No chance any of these are wrong. So Connor and I did that, uh, for your enjoyment, for your enjoyment. Before we, uh, dive right into the episode, remember to support our good friends over at bet online. Use that promo code clns on 50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
1: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
0: Doing great. Doing just fantastic. You, you, you we, you know, we, we used to do you and Bruinspeed every single week. Now it's sort of uh, it's more scattered. Guest. You know, You're special guests now. Uh, we like to, you know, the, the takes are so hot that it can only be like you know once every month, once every bunch of weeks. You're back.
1: Yeah, we got to take it easy.
0: We're yes, happy to be take back. It- Yes, very happy to be back. What's funny is, I don't know, I, I sent this to you, those winter podcast awards, I'm not sure, uh, who is running them, but there are eight finalist podcasts and Bruins Beat and Punk Bear are both in it. So I think both of us can be happy. There's like a fourth of a chance that we're happy.
1: It's like the, the two Spider-Man guys pointing yes. at each other. That's what that voting poll is apparently, so. Yes. But I'll be a, a happy. Game. I'll be happy if you take home the honors, Evan. You know, it's a team I'll, award, so.
0: Yeah, well, we do both, so I, I don't really care who wins. Uh, if as long as it's one of us, I'm not even sure how they figured that out. I don't know if people vote. I, I don't know a lot about it, but happy to be considered. I guess that's a good thing. Never, I guess it means we're thing. doing
1: something right.
0: Yeah, so. people, some people must be happy. Um. Anyways, coming off the All Star break. What do you think of the All-Star game? I thought the All-Star game itself was meh. And I thought the skills competition was meh. Which sucks, because usually the skills competition is cool. But this was just meh. It was whatever.
1: It was (laughs) fine. And of course, like, the NHL just can't get it. You know, they always get in their own way. Like, the only, like, cool part was when you had, like... Tervis Agress doing the Peter LaFleur and it's like this great moment and then he doesn't even win. Because dipshit <laughs> dipshit John Hamm from St. Louis like gives Petrangelo the highest score and they go with that. Like that should be like a joke that John Hamm's rooting for him because he used to be on the the blues. Like it shouldn't be the deciding vote. Like what do we do no. here guys? Like again, for as much as we talk about the NHL having trouble marketing their players or having good personalities which like you see on some of those things like during that Bellagio fountain them like trying to get the guys to riff on each other doesn't work doesn't Fair work down. if you don't have willing participants so you finally have Zagros who has like that crazy move doesn't even win it's like good no. job good job <laughs> thanks, a lot, even, thanks a lot John Hamm thanks a lot St. Louis
0: Petre- I know right Petrangelo doesn't even score he just has a no. drum line of of Vegas people from like up above And they come in, and he just goes down and, like, takes a wrist shot. And everyone's like, oh. And then, like, the best part is the crowd reaction afterwards after he doesn't score. They're all like, oh, oh, nice. It's just, it, it, you know, and the Jack Hughes doing the magician trick, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, that's cool. I I give respect to creativity. But you're right. Like, the riffing on each other. Like, after he won the MVP, Emily Kaplan asked Claude Drew, like, oh, you know, OV's at home with COVID. What do you have to say? And he's like... Feel better, maybe? I don't know. And it's like, oh, this is this weekend.
1: No, so, noted, uh, yeah, noted uh, rivals. Klojeru and Novesh. <laughs> I mean, like.
0: Yeah, no. Noted well, This is something I don't know about, but. Yeah, geez. But anyways, uh, weird, whatever. Uh, they, Bergeron had a goal in the All-Star game. Whatever. I don't know. Hey. All-Star games. Like, the Pro Bowl on Sunday was just like, meh. Nah, you know. So, I mean, the Pro Bowl's it's on a different emotions. level. Yeah. Pro Bowl's on a different level of bad, but. Since it's the All-Star Break, uh, there's not really a lot to talk about currently with the Bruins. Actually, you know what? There is. And I just remembered this. I did not tell you this before the show. But the Winter Classic is coming back to Boston. Huh. Yeah, and bad. it's going to the best spot. Fenway. That's, that to me is so much better than Gillette, obviously. I guess it's tough for people who go to the game. Yeah. We're sitting like on the field. Tough viewpoints.
1: Yeah. That, yes, you, you're not, the high, you the higher the better, guys.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, green monster seats should be like what you aim for which is tough because those cost a little bit of money. Um, but, you know, I think I, I saw some people on Twitter saying like, oh, this is, you know, five outdoor games in 12 years for the Bruins. And that is, I guess, a lot. But they are intriguing matchups. The jerseys are pretty cool. And the Bruins have also been good this entire time. So it's like you're seeing a good team, whereas the Blackhawks, couple of these years, you're seeing bad teams. What do you think of it?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's good. And, yeah, a lot of people are crying about the fact they're, they're in it, but, uh, one, you can only have so many venues. You're not gonna go to, you know, Sunrise, Florida for a game. You know, it's like, it's, at some point you have to go back to the well, I guess, for some of these venues, and if Fenway's one of them, pretty good. And it's, again, it's not like Fenway, it's been five years in between games at Fenway. Like, you look at what that roster's gonna look like next year, especially if, let's say, like, Bergeron's not there. It's going to be a very different roster. <laughs> a lot has gone on since that Mako Sturm overtime goal against the Flyers. So uh, I think enough time has passed. Uh, obviously a great venue to check out. Um, I-, I believe the NHL said they're going to do something different with it, which I don't know what that means. Like, is the rink going to be on top of, like, the the cask and Flagon roof? Like, I don't know what exactly... <laughs> I assume it just means they're, like, shifting, like, the actual like, dimensions of, like, maybe it's more out in the outfield or-, or what have you. So we'll see what they do there, but... Regardless, like the whole, you know, event itself is great. Going to uh, Notre Dame Stadium, they had a bunch of events for that leading up to it. Um, I'm sure they have a bunch of stuff around Boston. As you said, the new sweater design, see what they do there. Um, it's just a great event all around. So for the Bruins, I think it's just, it's a great thing to be involved in. Again, uh, just with, you know, not just the fact the game itself is so unique, but just the event surrounding it and stuff like that. It should be, it should be a great time. So again, if you're going, triple layer get some hot chocolate or a libation or something like that something that will warm you up and again the higher the better don't don't sit like the dugout seats because you're gonna be very very upset
0: yeah it's like oh it's like a red, red Sox game we got like mom we got these great seats right right yeah. along the foul pole oh my god we're in like next pesky pole Don't see anything. You're going to be watching the game on the the Jumbotron uh, up above in center field. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do differently about it. Because in 2010, it was along the infield, if I remember, right? It was, like, first to third. So now it's – I would imagine maybe it's going to be in the outfield. so more outfield people can see it.
1: Are they building, like, stands out in the outfield and, like, moving it out there? You get closer, That's what I I I just thought of.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could maybe – like can, but then like that sucks. To all the people who were sitting, like <laughs> yeah, sitting then they cribbing, get screwed. Yeah, they get screwed. So it's, it, just, it's people I don't know. who went,
1: people who went in 2010 who sat like around the dugout are mad. So like, all right, we're not getting fooled this time. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting those uh the further up, and all of a sudden now there's like fake scaffolding in the way, so they can't see. So alas, yeah. but it should be different in some capacity. We'll, we'll see what it is because usually it's you know in July or August where they have the early diagrams of what it's going to look like. And of course it will never end up looking like that, but yeah. maybe we'll get a, a better idea of how they're going to uh, switch around the rank dimensions of Fenway this time around.
0: They'll put it on Lansdowne Street. That's what Yeah. Cool. Or they'll it's put fun. it on like David Ortiz Bridge. Maybe oh. you know, have the pike under it, the, the scenery of that going underneath the buildings in the back. Maybe they'll, they'll have that, that
1: dude, but... with the Jesus sign who's outside every <laughs> big and he'll be there. He'll drop the puck with Dusty Beach. Yeah.
0: The Dusty Goosh, he'll be like the guy. Do you remember um, the dude? This was back in the twenty twenty Red Sox season. So I won't blame you if you don't remember. Remember the dude who broke in? Of course, dude. And he was standing in the monster and yelled like, like America. And yeah. Uh, maybe he- him, the Jesus other, guy, other ETD. That, Well, that's what I thought too. Um, but I, or, or Spoke be. Z, I thought maybe it yes. could have been Spoke Z. Uh, but they, they, uh, they, those three will drop the puck. You know, yeah, uh, quite the honor. And it seems like the, the rumor is that they'll play the Penguins. So I think that's a good matchup for it. Yeah. John I'm Henry's
1: team, home team, a yeah. home game for them. So,
0: <laughs> right. legit, their only home game they could possibly play. Mm-hmm. And they, they did it. Uh, I am curious though, to see what the Penguins do. And I'm glad, I'm glad that's, that's their, that's probably going to be their matchup. Cause if it was some like Western conference team, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. And if it's like some, you know, like if it was like Florida or even like Tampa, like it's cool, but like this is some history with Pittsburgh. I like I, it. I imagine it's, it's either,
1: it's either going to be Pittsburgh, which makes the most sense, or maybe like the ranges, which would make sense yeah. too, like Boston, like at Fenway, but still Pen- Penguins make the most sense in that regard. And all things considered, if you're looking for star power, you'll get it with those two teams anyway, if you're oh, a yeah. national broadcast. So.
0: Yeah, no, they definitely have that. I'm glad it's not like the Canadian Well, they already did the Canadians. Maybe like the Leafs. We were talking and- about that
1: game. That game didn't happen. Yeah,
0: that game never happened. That game was horrendously terrible Uh from every perspective. But anyways, because uh there's not a lot else to talk about, I figured why not do some predictions? Because those always turn out great, right? So we're going to do second half predictions. There are 39 games left in the regular season. So we are kind of over that second half. Like we... The Bruins are past that, but this is technically the second half, so I'll I'll, I'll say that I don't think we we didn't do predictions for um, this half. We did them at the beginning of the year. Um, of course, they're all correct. You went over yours at Boston Sports Journal, so I let people go look at that. So we're not I'm not going to go over my preseason predictions because again, they're all right. Just source, trust it. Um, but we're going to try to do two roster predictions each, trade deadline predictions, and then what happens to them in the playoffs or after the regular season ends. So I will let you go first. What is your first regular season prediction?
1: So uh, I'm going to switch things up and go for one uh, that I just thought of in terms of the goaltending situation, which is, I oh, think that, yeah, which uh, now that I thought about it, I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll probably get some more. Of course, who knows what's going to happen because this podcast will drop and we'll find out what exactly the the plan is for Rask. But I'm going to say Jeremy Swamin gets at least five starts up with the Bruins to close out the end of the regular season. I think uh, that's not to say that Tuca Rath's season's done or they're going to end that experiment. I just think whether it's the additional rust that is set in for him where he hasn't played or the nagging injury, that I think the best kind of course moving forward for him is a conditioning loan down in Providence, get some of the rust off. I think you even saw that with um, – Matt Murray, I think he went down to the AHL with Ottawa and again different situation. What different... It
0: looks like now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's <laughs>
1: aged about four hundred years since then, but um but I, he went down there, kind of got the rust off, and he's been relatively serviceable for them since then. So no, again, two phrases at very different points of their, you know, tenure. But for the Bruins, if you're able to get Rass down there, shake the rust off without having it hurt the team, having you you know, hemorrhage points in the standings if he has a, a clunker along the way, I think that's the best course moving forward. So if he's down there for two, three weeks and it gives Swayman a couple more reps up here, not that all of a sudden it opens the door for him to supplant Rask or Olmark, what have you, but if that just gets him more reps up here and for a younger guy uh, gives him more minutes, it's a good way to make, I think, all parties happy in the short term because if we go into, you know, middle of March, end of March, and Rass is back up to speed. You have Omar locked in, and Swayman's at the ready and has got more and more reps up at the pro level. Seems like a win-win for all involved. So I'll go with that, even though I'm sure I'll go to practice at Warrior today and Rass will be ready to go, and <laughs> this prediction will fall short immediately. But I'll throw that one out there for right now.
0: It's a, Yeah, it's a good prediction. I like that. I mean, I thought he was going to start the Kraken game. I thought he was going to start yeah. the last game before the All-Star break. So, yes, I agree. I think Swayman will start some games. I remember I was asked that on a radio show, and I was like, yeah, I, I think he'll be up. I think just the way the season works and the schedule, he will be up. Um, my prediction is that Bleed, Nosek, and Lazar becomes the fourth line. And I don't know if that's a very hot take, but I think, you know, with Trent Frederick in the picture, Nick Felino in the picture, those guys are going to be getting reps. But I do think at, at, at their best, that is their best fourth line. That is a fourth line. That can get you places in the playoffs. It can shut down other teams lines. It can, you know, wreak havoc in the offensive zone. Lazar and Bleed are wrecking balls. No has got an offensive touch to him as seen by Cassidy moving up to the second line at times. But if the Bruins are at their best, that is their fourth line. Cassidy and the Bruins always are good with a good fourth line. Every team's good with a good fourth line. That seems like your best bet. Again, I like Frederick, but I just haven't seen the necessary steps in his game. Like again, you know, we talked about this, uh, we've talked about this numerous times throughout the year where it's like, you know, feels like someone definitely said to him, Hey, you know, less of the instigator, more of the play the play actual hockey game. And it just feels at times he's just not effective in the offensive zone, um, and not great off the rush. So for me, I think that bleed no sec lazar line, uh, is going to end up being the fourth line. So. We'll see. We will see with that. Um, we're not going to do a snake draft. I'll, I'll let you just go first again. What's your next regular season prediction?
1: Um, my next prediction is that Bruce Cassidy gives, uh, Oscar Steen some, uh, reps up with the top line, which I think you saw a Ooh. little bit of that up, uh, against Arizona kind of went away from it, but, uh, I think it's definitely an avenue worth exploring, not only because I think one, Oscar Steen's looked pretty good. And I think we've talked about this multiple times, but you put, Pretty much any player with Bergeron and margin, it's probably going to be a pretty good line. Crazy, to uh, yeah. And when you have the domino effect of you get Smith down with Coil, which I think is maybe it's it's almost like the situation with Coil earlier this year. Like, is he a great two C? Probably not. But is he a very good three C? Yes. Same with like Smith. Granted, he was great last year with Krejci, but all things considered, is Smith your should be like your top line uh, wing? Maybe, but you know, maybe it's the fit. We'll see. But if he's your third line wing, pretty good. And for as much as I think people looked at um, how good Marchand, Bergeron, and Smith were at the start of this, you know, reshuffle with the lineup back in January, you look over like an extended sample size. They've only outscored opponents six to five in about 166 minutes of five and five ice time together. Again, you're on the winning side of that that stat line, but it's not the usual lopsided numbers you usually see with that top six so again who knows maybe it's some time off will do them some good I think over those last couple of games whether it's Smith who's clearly still dealing with a nagging injury or Marshand, who clearly wasn't 100 percent uh in wake of that Hathaway hit and probably made the most of this time off who knows they could come out on fire out of this break and all of a sudden you know Scored three, five under five goals, and all of a sudden that those numbers jump back up. But if the if Cassidy still wants to switch things up, I wouldn't be surprised if he looks at Steen and Smith as a potential switch there in that in that
0: top six. I love that you told me that before we started because I wanted to make sure that our predictions weren't exactly the same. And I love that idea uh because it's outside the box. It's different. Steen has that skill. You know, we've said. You know, I don't know if we said this before the season, but we said it during the season that Oscar Steen's a guy who who. uh has that top six potential the skill the speed the way he plays makes sense and with Bergeron and Martian that's kind of like a soft landing into being a top six player right I mean you get to play with Brad Martian and Patrice Bergeron like that's pretty nice way to start uh being a top six player and I think he would be a fit on that uh, line and I also think everybody forgets this Craig Smith was initially brought here to be Charlie Coyle's right wing and I think for him it would be pretty good if he could Regain Craig Smith, and I know those two didn't work amazing together last season, but hey, maybe this year with uh, a better guy on the left side, which maybe they'll go out and get someone. Hmm? Who knows? Sounds like a Taylor Hall. Hmm? So uh, we'll see about that, but safe bet that a guy like Oscar Steen might do pretty well um, on the top line. But when we're talking really safe and good bets we talk about our friends over at bet online there might be less football being played but bet online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from scores totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land always a fun topic they got that have you seen that guy they hired in uh, Miami that he's like you know a cool bro like a stone oh, yeah. guy like yeah. talks to the media he's great hey, we'll see what happens maybe we'll bet on him getting fired or becoming the next dollar <laughs> check. who knows uh, Bet Online is always the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just football. Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the biz. And from sports. Write down your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Again, promo code CLNS50. BetOnline, where the game starts. So lots of stuff to go bet on over there. Make sure you do it. Um, okay, my next prediction, my second regular season prediction is Taylor Hall will have exactly 34 points. In the final 39 games. I did not want to go with, uh, like, oh, he's going to do really well over the next, the rest of the season. I wanted to put it, if I'm doing a break I'm going to go right for the number. There you 34 go. 34 points. At 34 points the rest of the regular season, he's currently at 29 right now, I believe. Yes. yep. 29 points. That 10 and 10 and 19. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. He was great in January. He had four goals and nine assists um, in the month of January. So will he be a point-per-game guy? No. But I do think that there are going to be games where he has many multi-point games. At the end of the day, he's got 34 points. Because, again, if he's working with Pasternak, (laughs) come on. I mean, look at the way he's looked completely different. I think he's looked way more comfortable. And, again, we've talked about this a number of times. But Pasternak being on his right takes a little attention off Hall on the left. And, you know, if you have Eric Halla down the middle or you have someone that we might talk about in our next predictions about a trade – might even have a better. I mean, there's a good chance Taylor Hall is even better second line center um, in the second half. So uh definitely, definitely someone I look at and say that's a guy who's going to have a really, really, really good um, second half. So we've done our predictions. Do you have any more predictions that you'd like to throw out for for the regular season that are small? Or you know, uh, I think like probably
1: that? like a small one is we. It's yet to be seen how they kind of juggle the the defensive pairs, but I think the smart move to do going forward. is just keep McAvoy and Grizzly together. Like that's one pairing you don't have to worry about because it, it's not just the fact that they play so well together. The ice is tilted so far in their direction. It's almost like it's good that they don't run them as much as like the Taze-Makar pairing where it's like oh, 30 God. minutes a night. Like thank God <laughs> they don't do that. But I'm sure it's pretty tempting not to when you look at just how much they tilt the ice in their favor. And as much as people want to talk about, whether that pairing is best suited for the playoffs what have you. Right now, if you're just trying to get points, keep McAvoy and Grizzly together. Cause so I think right now at even strength, they're out scoring teams 21 to nine, out shooting them 205 to 104, which is Ooh, okay. pretty sizable. <laughs> and the Bruins have a 62 to 29 edge and high danger scoring chances when they're out there together. So pretty good. And considering whether it's trying to find the right partner for Brennan Kahlo, which has been kind of an ongoing thing or you know, is forward best with a guy like Clifton? Is Vacanine, is he going to be healthy and is he going to be available? What have you? Uh, best thing to do is cross off that top of that list and get McAvoy and Griswick together to have one question mark out of the way. Just keep them together. Even if they Miller's- acquired like a legitimate defenseman, like let's say they acquired, uh, Chikrin and give up a whole bunch for him. Have mm-hmm. him with Carlo. Have a legit like just top four all set by doing that and keep McAvoy and Grzyk together.
0: 100 percent. Yeah, no, I, I think that that'd be a great idea. My only thing that I, the only reason I'm kind of against Chris McAvoy, too many good things are happening for BU these days. Wilmer Skoog, Trevor Zegris. Uh, I don't. Like, I don't want to
1: say anything on this podcast, Evan, because I know the Bean pot is uh, as we're recording is <laughs> later tonight. This will be dropping on Tuesday, so I don't want to be flexing all of a sudden. Harvard beats them. So.
0: And you know what's you know I'm what's funny like, though, bean-
1: all, all I'm just saying though, BU's playing pretty well these days. So I'm they are ten
0: and one. 10 and one in their last eleven, right? I think that's or ten zero and one. They haven't lost in regulation in forever. Um But you know, it's funny the bean pot's happening. I will not be there because uh, Turner has some COVID travel restrictions. Because everybody knows I live so far from the garden. Yes, uh, but exactly. but but I I will be live uh, blogging it and doing a big all all coverage for it over at NCAA.com. So remember to go follow along with it over there. Um I haven't fully thought on my prediction for the bean pot yet, but it pains me to say, if I had to pick a team, it'd probably be BU. Would? And it's, it's I'm, I'm, not, it. I'm it's... not gonna
1: say anything. I'm gonna. You know what? If I'm on the podcast next week, I'll have to wait till next Thursday's Poke the Bear. And if that's the case, and they do win the bean pot, then I'll, I'll show up and I'll be you God. But I'm not saying anything until then because <laughs> last time there was a legit bean pot. The, <clears throat> Terriers brought Northeastern to overtime, and then that ref had to get last call at the fours and fucked everything mm. up for them with that bullshit call. So, I'm not saying 50 anything to the
0: fours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 50 to the exactly. fours. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, that guy um, made it a priority to get there. So,
0: yeah. Apparently. Uh, but anyway,s yes, the bean pot uh, Monday and uh, next Monday. Uh, so I will go first in my trade deadline prediction because I gave you the benefit of regular season going first. Only fair. It's my show. Um yes. Anyways, I actually did the entire trade. So this is why it's funny, because oh. I picked the package. So this is going to be good. This, okay. You know this is correct. You guys know this is exactly how it's going to go down. So get ready. The Bruins. Someone's going to highlight this and be like, look, Kevin's reporting trades on his podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the Bruins will send a 2022 first, a 2023 second, Jake DeBrusque and prospect Jack Stadnika for... Drum roll, JT Miller. Maybe that's a lot. You're going to be, you're going to be bidding with a lot of teams. Also, there's been talks that, um, Vancouver might want to re sign him. So you're going to have to, this is not like a Taylor Hall deal with Buffalo. You're going to have to give up a good amount. That is a good amount, but Debruska already wants out. You've kind of prepared for life without that. You have other forwards in the bottom six that can do the job. Um, your first, you're going to have to give up at some point. If you're going to want to actually get better for this year and not give up Lowry or Lysel or um, Swayman, you're going to have to give up a first. A second, you don't love giving up. That's probably to sweeten the deal a bit. And Sanika is the same thing. But that is my uh, – what I predict. That's one of two deals because I think you have two deals, right? Yes. You have two deals. That are- okay, so we'll switch off deals. But that's my bi- – that's the big deal I think the Bruins make. I think they go out and get JT Miller. We've talked about him at length. He would help the second line a ton. I mean, imagine Taylor Hall, J.T. Miller, Posternak. I mean, that's a different hockey team. So, um, do I think that de- do I think that price is worth it? That's a lot, but you do have Miller for next season. Mm-hmm. Might be able to re up him as well. So, and Sweeney likes guys with term. So for me, I will go with uh, that. Is the big deal the Bruins make? What is yours?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't have the actual return, but I imagine it's going to be something <laughs> along the, the same, uh, lines of 2022 first prospect, whether it's Sidnika, maybe Vakenine, and if he's healthy and his stock's going up, something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, player on the team could be, if it's not DeBrusque, like Steen, maybe, uh, a guy like that, a team could target. Um, but I'm going to go with Thomas Hurdle as a the guy they acquire. I'm conflicted because I think JT Miller might be the best fit for what you said in terms of, Because I, I think the Bruins, you know, I think they'll look to acquire any legit top six center. That's why I think, especially in wake of the All-Star game, you've heard a lot about Claude Giroux as being a guy we gotta bring in. It's a, it's, it makes sense, right? It's a good fit. He's a good player. Same with like a guy like Joe Pavelski, who like might cost quite a bit because he's having a crazy good year, even though he's 37. Insane. Yeah, he's very, and like, and again, if you acquired him, that's good. Like they're both very, very good (laughs) players. But I think what you've seen it before um, with the Bruins, whether it's acquiring a guy like Rick Nash or Jaromir Yager, like these guys that are pending UFAs or guys that, either they're going to go back to – like Yager. I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> – yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if like Giroux goes right back to Philly if he gets traded. Like it's one of those situations where um, – so if I'm the Bruins, I don't know. Like I think if you're giving up assets – and I think for all those guys, Giroux, Pavelski – Hurdle Miller, the the baseline price is still going to be a first round pick. I think I don't think you're gonna,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, finagle out without giving up still a, a steep cost anyway. So if you're already giving up enough, either you're acquiring a guy with term like JT Miller, which like might be a lot because I feel like Vancouver's got the leverage in terms of we got him one for another year, and two we don't have to deal them. We have other guys we could move if we want to free up cap space. Um, but if Miller's if if Hurdle rather is available, and again. He's probably the best available player. And if you try to resign him, like it fits in line with what the Bruins, I think want to do in terms of, I don't think they want to do a full rebuild. If you're able to get Tomas Hurdle, who's a legit top six franchise player, and it's going to take a lot of, I think, cap gymnastics this summer, whether it's moving contracts, buying out guys, you know, you could have to be clearing a lot of cap. But if you're able to get Hurdle who, Tries to put you over the top this year and then you sign him long term going forward. All of a sudden you've got another, I don't know if like the contention window is open, but you've got a legit strong framework of a team in place for the next four or five years at a minimum with Hall, Marshand, Posternak, Hurdle, you know, all those good McAvoy, Swayman, if he's still there, like you've got pieces of a very good team, <laughs> you know, like if he doesn't,
0: if he doesn't revolt. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, um, So I think, you know, whether it's him or Miller, uh, I think the Bruins would be happy with either one. But Hurdle's more complicated because you have to deal with that pending contract. You don't want to lose him if you're giving up a lot. But if you're able to retain him, you all of a sudden you've got another quite a few years to go. So I think Hurdle's the guy they they scoop up. But I think they – I'd be shocked if they don't exit this deadline with at least one top six center, just who they – what the price is and who they feel comfortable bringing in.
0: Yeah, see, I look at it like this. What's the one thing holding the Bruins back from being surefire contenders in the next three to four years? No, de- no depth at center. Like, that's the biggest thing. That's their biggest issue. It has not worked. Um, and you need that. You need to be deep down the middle. Everybody knows that. Coil the signing there, he's not really panning out to be a top six center. Uh, Sednika obviously didn't really pan out either, and they're not even really giving him a chance, so who really knows there. But um, I do think, that a guy like hurdle changes a lot for you. Uh, and same with Miller. I mean, if you if, you know if you can get JT Miller and get him to re-sign. It's funny though I tweeted over the weekend that Claude True would make a fantastic bruin. I mean that more in the sense of like as a fit for like yeah. this year. Not like forever. I I maybe he re signed maybe he would re-sign, I don't know. Maybe he'd really like Boston. I mean Boston's like a step up from Philadelphia, so maybe that's like a everyone says Boston's like a souped up Philly, so maybe he's like, "Oh wow, this is a, maybe the grass is greener elsewhere." So who knows? He's also You're gonna have a bunch older, of but... Philly
1: fans like attacking our comments now.
0: Yes, good. It's like the Islanders fans back in yes. the playoffs. they the comments
1: section. They don't now. have much to share about now. We're gonna get attacked yeah. by Islanders fans now. So
0: Unfo- unfortunate, unfortunate yeah. stuff. Um. So my other deal. So I have a second deal, and I did do a package. For this this might be way off. I, I I thought maybe this would be correct, but the Bruins send Jacob Lauko and a 2022 fourth to the Red Wings for left shot defenseman Nick Letty. And in that deal, the reason that Lauko would have to be given up is because the Red Wings would retain four million of his five million dollar cap that I believe it's five million or 5.25 yeah. 5 million. Um, so again, is he your left shot defenseman number one of the future? No, but for this season, and maybe if you re-signed him to a cheaper deal, eh, that's something, you know, like that's a minor deal. That's, yeah. it's not, it's not Chikron, obviously. It's not Giordano, even. He's, you know, again, Giordano might just, Friggin' right, go right back to Calgary, <laughs> but but at the same time, I do think Nick Letty makes you better. You know, you can put Letty with Carlo, and you have a you have a top four right there, and then you you have the freedom to put Forbert on the third pairing, uh, or Vacaninen with Clifton, or Clifton or, or uh, Vacaninen and Forbert. So you have options there if you get Letty, um, and in a deal like that, you're not giving up uh, you're not giving up a ton, except just a prospect who's really fast, who could be really good. Uh, but you're getting the Red Wings to eat four million of that uh, money, so I think that is a good. That's a good. The two deals I gave make you pretty good. They make you a lot better than you are now, so mm-hmm. never a bad thing. What's your sec? What's your second deal?
1: Yeah, I think as much as the the market for like true top four defensemen is pretty barren once you get past Checkering. Maybe it changes if the Ducks, who I don't think are going to be sellers, but if they think they can't re-sign Hampus Lindholm, and all of a sudden he gets dangled out there. Then that's a very obvious fit. Um, that's a guy who I think, uh, as a pending UFA, you give up assets for because I think Lindholm's a beast and I think fits right in with what you're looking for. Um, but I'm going for, uh, another depth defenseman, a guy that could like solidify the, the end of your depth chart there. So I'm going with Scott Mayfield, who's on the, uh, Islanders. Good player. Okay. Uh, 29, mm-hmm. right shot, I believe. six, five over, I think like 220. A uh, good defensive defenseman, but also has a little bit of scoring pop. I think he's averaged like fifteen points per game over the last two years, I want to say. Uh signed through next year at I think like under two million in caps. So it's gonna cost a lot to get him. Like it's not gonna be like, oh, we'll give you a third and a fourth and insert <laughs> like throw away prospect here. Like I think it's still gonna give a take a lot to get even a guy like that. Like look at Tampa last year they got David Savad who is pretty much a third pairing guy for them helped him out quite a bit but they gave up what a, a first in a third to get him so I don't know if yeah. that's what the cost for mayfield's going to be but I think a guy like Mayfield who if he's solidifying your third pair and all of a sudden you've got kind of a mini shutdown pairing there of forbert and mayfield feel pretty good about your chances right like I feel like that yeah. just that can only help your team especially when you've got that log jam on the left side with Uh I think you need someone different than another puck moving guy. You need just some more heft back there. So I think again, there's plenty of other guys out there that fit that bill of what Mayfield brings, but I think he's a guy that makes plenty of sense of how they could acquire a guy that really shores up the lower depths of the depth chart, but also helps put you over the top if you add him to the mix.
0: Mayfield's kind of an off-the-board pick like Mike Riley was last year. By the way, I forgot Mike Riley in my um when I was talking about the left side on D, yes. Mike Riley could also factor in as a third pairing guy there, maybe with Forbert. I don't know. I mean, again, if you did get a guy like Letty, you would have, you'd kind of push things down and you'd have, yeah. you know, Forbert, Riley and, and um Clifton and back in for those last two spots on D. They love internal competition. Maybe that would work, but yeah, Scott Mayfield love the idea of that. I think Bruins fans love him too. Six, five. Are you kidding me? Yeah. They'd be fricking selling out of jerseys from him in the pro shop. So yes, that would be a good one to have him for next season, too. And again, he also is just a consistent defender, not like Clifton, who is a little bit streaky, which is tough to rely on in the playoffs because he's either hot like he was against the Hurricanes and the Blues or he's cold like a lot of other times. So uh, those are our deadline deals. I don't I think those are I think we both had realistic ones. I think those make sense. Not crazy. You know, none for Eichel or McDavid. No, you know, simple stuff. Simple stuff. Um, I don't think they get chicken I think that is just. I don't think that happens. I think I think Arizona
1: wants Swayman, and I think they've got all the leverage. Yeah. They're not going to budge for anything unless they get knocked over. So yeah, and I think Florida exactly. will outbid you on anything anyway. So
0: yeah, that's yeah, that is ridiculous. Also, <laughs> we'll you Florida, and and the one one problem before we get to our playoff predictions, one problem is every most teams can bid more than you. Most teams yes. have more assets, so that's why some of these deals are expensive because. You might have to give up Sednica and DeBrusque and a first in the same con in the same deal because that's just the nature of other teams having a lot of things to give up and you don't have much so you got to kind of throw your chips to- throw all your chips to the table. Uh, what is your playoff prediction? I'll let you go first on this. What do you think that What do you think happens?
1: Well, Evan, at the start of the year, during my very bold preseason predictions, I had the Bruins losing to the Vegas Golden Knights, who I predicted at the time. We're gonna acquire Jack Eichel, so it's correct yes. there.
0: You did, you actually did predict this. So you're and you know what?
1: Right. Is it the best? Is it the best pick? Maybe not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna <laughs> say Thomas Turtle is a perfect fit, and they go on a crazy cup run and lose in seven games to the Vegas Golden
0: Knights. <laughs> On home ice. <laughs> On
1: home ice. Max Petcheretti scores the goal in overtime in in and <laughs> proper revenge for getting knocked into the glass by Zdeno Chara. That's how it ends. So Finally. I and think that's is- probably an op. I guess when you lose a cup in seven games, it's not a very optimistic viewpoint, but I think a lot of people don't think the Bruins would even make it to the Stanley Cup final. So I'm going to go with that.
0: There you go. And you know what? Maybe the Bruins, just to finish off how heartbreaking that'll be, maybe the Bruins will acquire Chara at the deadline. Just so Patcharidi can, yeah. can push him after the OT goal, and Chara can go bananas and yes, after Just after those during the handshake one. line. Yes, yes, uh, like the Canadians, like Cheech, uh, yeah. Bru- yeah, the Canes Bruins in 2014 with uh, Dale Weese and Lucic and everybody. Um, so I'm a little less optimistic, but I will say this: the Bruins are going to be good after these deadline acquisitions. I'm going off of they acquire Miller and Letty; they're going to be good. They'll upset the Panthers in the first round. Yeah. That's going to – I don't – I. you know, the Panthers are a really good team. They're so good offensively. They have not had any playoff success yet. Yeah. So I don't have that fear of the Panthers. I'm not like, oh, the Panthers. Like, they're nasty. No one's saying they aren't. But they've yet to prove a thing in the playoffs. So I say the Bruins upset them in six games. And then they face Tampa in the second round because Toronto loses in the first, and they face Tampa and they lose in six games. So they extend it to six. They're not, well, they're not losing in five; they're losing in six. So I think the Bruins end up losing in the second round uh, to Tampa. So that's going to be their their thing. Yours is more fun. I like your prediction a little bit better. I, I mean, um, I think
1: that's the only way they can like chart their course if they're stuck in this second wild card spot. Which who knows? I, I feel like they're still going to end up being a wild card team just because the teams in front of me, Atlantic seem like they're just rolling but the easiest yeah. way for them to kind of climb out through that is upset panthers in the first round and then you like hope to god that toronto finally breaks through and wins the first round and they like somehow beat tampa and then the bruins just beat them in the next round that that's like <laughs> yes. what would happen it's like yeah. toronto eventually has to break through at some point and win a round and like against tampa sizable feet be very great but the inevitable will happen. They will lose the
0: Bruins, no, lose to the Bruins, the Bruins <laughs> again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I, I like. I just. Uh, I I remember saying this back in 2019, the, the going to the 1920 season, saying at some point the Maple Leafs have to break through. Like that roster is not terrible. Like at some point they're going to break through. Maybe this is the year. And I was. Uh, I I'm. I haven't even hit that yet. I'm years off of it. So uh, I do think uh, that the way is you have to be. You have to beat the Panthers. That's the big one. And I think it's doable. I don't think that that's like completely out of their own possibility. Um, so, yeah, I think the birds would be better after the deadline. I think they're going to be doing – they're going to be making moves. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, Connor, before you go before you – know, we're not going to predict the offseason yet. No, that's not no. that's not even not. in the realm – I haven't even thought that far ahead. Uh, but, Connor, what uh, can the people look forward to with you over at PSJ before we head out?
1: Yeah, uh we'll obviously have a couple of previews of, you know, top questions the Bruins are going to face going into the second half. Uh have a few features I'm working on now that we are, I think, done with Zoom for the, the time being, which Ooh. is great. We should have more uh, opportunities for one-on-one and stuff like that, so more time for more features. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ, so subscribe to BostonSportsJournal.com. want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. For CLNS Media, I'm Ed Marinovsky. You Broomspeed listeners have a great rest of your week.